the gale. And I'm Jade Halliwell. Got my little Chevrolet. Uh, I take it to Mackis after. <laughs> and you're listening to Do You Know Any Oasis? A podcast about two women trying to make an independent career in the music industry. Uh, I know you write your own songs and everything, love, and, and they're good and everything, but uh, do you know any Oasis? <laughs> <laughs> Episode three. Still going strong. <laughs> Still here for it. Um, if you came back yet again, thank you. If you're new, welcome. <laughs> this is basically um, a podcast of myself, Kezi Gill and Jade Hellowell. And we are just talking about our experiences in an independent music industry. Music. We say independent, there's no big label there's no you know we have small teams around us don't we that we kind of we work with but it's you know it's a big industry and it's we just thought there's a lot to cover yeah there's a lot that goes on i think that um a lot of public perception if you're not you know ed sheeran selling out arenas and number one that you're not working in the music industry i think a lot of people think if you're not signed to a big deal with a record label then you're not a music artist kind of thing, you know. They're yeah. trying to do understand. There's all different levels of it and all different jobs. And that's the in thing. The I think industry and people e- either think that you're Ed Sheeran and yeah. selling out Wembley, or you just do a bit in your bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> just do you know what I mean? Just oh, I do a bit, I do a bit. But actually, there's a whole grey area in the middle where I think we fit somewhere in that. Yeah, um, which is what we're going to talk about today: yeah. making music, the actual, the music part. Yeah, the creative side of it. Not necessarily the fun part for me. Mm. Mm. I actually find this the worst bit. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I love, I think I prefer performing live to obviously recording, but I love, I love the writing process and I enjoy the recording and stuff, but I'm never quite happy with my vocals. No. Like never, because it's a different kind of thing and it's singing in a little box room to singing on a stage and feeding off people's energy. Definitely. But I like getting the song to be able to then take it to the live show, do you know what I mean? Well, let's break it down because, again, we're just talking about it as, as yeah. a process, but it's very much a stage, isn't it? Definitely. So let's, let's go for you, like, the idea. Yeah, so I will start off normally with a little hook in my head. Um, so uh, it might be like, you know, part of the chorus the melody and lyrics will come together or sometimes it'll be just the melody and I'll kind of just sing whatever of it and think, oh, what once I've got that hook, I'm like, right, what is the song about? What's the story? And then either, you know, a lot of times I've messaged you and like the other night, it's like, I've got this song. <laughs> we need to write it together. Like you'll, you just know like this person will be great to write on this song with and then set the co-write or if I'm writing on my own and break it down to finishing that chorus and then like what does verse one need to say what's this character feeling and doing blah, blah, blah. where are we in verse two what's happening in the bridge and like build it from that way up that tends to be how i write do you more. have a preference with like co-writing versus writing alone no i mean i, I love co-writing um because i think it pushes you to rethink stuff that maybe i'd let through the net if i'm writing just on my yeah. own i might think oh i can't really think of anything you know, another way to say that, but that's okay, so I'll keep it in. But if you're with someone else, they'll be like, no, 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 let's look back at that. And it pushes yeah. you to question everything and get the best result. Um, I think I always felt like a sticking point with co-writing because mm. 
I had some really bad co-writes. Yeah. And for anyone that, that doesn't understand, like so so co-writing is basically where you get two or more songwriters in a mm-hmm. room and you all bring something to the song, albeit it might be um, someone's sort of more into the music side of it, more into the melodies and the hooks, and, and then you've got more writers on it, but it's very much team effort. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the big hits that are coming out of Nashville, some of them have got five, six, sometimes yeah. seven songwriters on the credits. And you think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I, my mind thinks like, how did you get a word in Edgeways in that situation? Well, they say, don't yeah. they? Add a word, get a third. Exactly. That's the way to do it. <laughs> but for me, it was, a to- it was a total opposite. So I've been writing, um, as we've previously discussed since I was a lot younger, and it's always been a very solitary process. It's been yeah. very personal. Um something that I do at kind of crazy hours of the day quite often during the night Mm -hmm. always been a night owl so the idea of co-writing it was a bit like exposing myself yeah I I don't know if I can ever let anyone in to this thing that I do on my own um because as well for a long time it was almost like a like a therapy vibe for me it was like I'm gonna write like journaling get it out so it felt weird to do it with someone in the room (laughs) use that as a soundbite context (laughs) (laughs) um but obviously, like, through doing it, um, and, and what's great is writing with, with people like you, like my friends, and I feel like I can show that vulnerable side yeah. of me. But it's also, it's sometimes quite hard, if you're writing with someone and it's perhaps going in a direction that you're not really feeling, it's hard to turn around and go, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like what you've just contributed. That's I think, hard. Um, the only way I've gotten to a position to think, like, I want to say, like, oh, yeah, I don't really, I, I wouldn't really say that, because it's got to be authentic to you. If I'm going to release the song that we're writing, we need to be using phrases and words that I would say. There's no part in me talking about riding around in a pickup <laughs> truck and, you know, stuff like that. And it can be hard to even speak drive up a saying that. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I've got, got my little Chevrolet, uh, I take it to Mackey's, Asda. If I'm feeling brave, I might uh, <laughs> t- take it down a dual carriageway, but hell no to the 62. <laughs> no, so it's got it's to be authentic, yeah. hasn't it? And I think the only way I've got comfortable doing that is just by doing loads of co-writes. Yeah. But like you say, at first you'd sit and I'd come out and then you'd think, I'd probably never play that because I felt like I didn't want to make it awkward by saying, oh, but like even on the other side, I am so much more comfortable with someone saying to me like, no, 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 I, I don't really like that. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. I'm like, sweet, we don't say it then. You kind of got to be polite, but also assertive. So you yeah. get the product you and want. I think you've also got to have an agreement of like, we're not taking offence in this, yeah. you know, three hours together. We're not taking offence at someone saying it. Like you can't get off and go, <laughs> Well, I I have literally, I've written with people and I've come away feeling like I am a terrible writer. Yeah, see, no, you need to be able to come away and think. And I I stood up for myself and I like what I've come away with. I've had the bad experiences. Um, But the more co writes you do, the more you'll feel like you come out and you're like, yep. Well, listen, I, I came away from our right. And I was like, I need to up my game because no, while I was, just, we were jamming, jamming while I was we trying to think of another word for something, you'd written verse two. <laughs> <laughs> I like, but again, I'm, I'm a, so here's a classic example and I'm sure we won't mind me shouting them out. Eric Pasley, we toured together with the Shires. We managed to get time to write. Yeah. Um, and he is a very vocal writer. Yeah. So even before he has the words, he'll hum nonsense. Yeah, I've got a lot of. Correct. And it's like, um, I don't know whether it's perhaps something that's actively encouraged in Nashville where there's, you know, huge writing scene. So you might have a tune for the line, but you've got no word. So instead you'll just go, and the back door, because you know it needs to ride with forevermore or whatever. And I'm like, 
are we just humming? Whereas in I'm a think writer. Yeah. So I will sit in silence for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's all going on in my head. But I probably look like I'm having like a vacant moment. Like I've zoned <laughs> out completely. So you put those two people in the room. It doesn't really work. And I love yeah. Eric to bits. But we wrote two lines in I our co-write. Yeah. And it's like, we got to finish this song. We got. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I can ever write. I think I, when I first started, so I was like, I'd take my notepad everywhere. And I was the same, like, I'd sit in silence and be like, don't speak up until you've completed a verse. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how I kind of started learning how to write a bit quicker because otherwise, by the time I've got this verse, they'd already moved on from the idea that I've been working on. Yeah. The co-writer's already like, oh, no, I didn't like that. Let's check. And I'm like, oh, well, now this don't fit. I'm back into my silence and my notepad. Yeah. I upgraded from my notepad <laughs> to get a Mac. Luke was like, you got to stop taking your notepads everywhere. Let's get your Mac. <laughs> But um, you see, I'm I'm old school. I like writing. But again, because it's a very quiet process and it's all very inward, I do still favour writing alone. Yeah. I mean, we, we've agreed, we've set up some rights. And I yeah. know that I, I, I like to say when you friends, find that comfort I have a people. safe space of people. Um, and I've actually started, and again, this is like sort of how ideas can develop. I don't know if you could call it co-writing, but I bounce ideas off Lloyd, who's yeah. my husband. Never like... I'm sure again he won't mind me saying not really a literary guy he's more hands-on more yeah. practical um there's not that man can't fix there's nothing even he I've can't fix. I said to him, I went, you better count your <laughs> blessings every day that you're married to that man because there's not a problem he can't solve she's like i've got a, I've got a bathroom list. window that's not opened in a year <laughs> oh, so i have a list of diy no, we are sorted. so practical. But on the flip of that, if I come to him with a song concept, it like goes completely over his head. But what's really nice is talking to someone to, like I don't want to say like Lloyd, just maybe that needs a bit more of a literal idea. Yeah, you, you know, and he'll say like I'm missing the point that I don't get it, and then it makes my writing maybe less cryptic. Yeah. So I can say to Marv, I sing this line. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's better than what you had before. Yeah. So it's also nice to have someone like Lloyd in the room. I think as well, a lot of people, a comment I get all the time about my writing is it's like, oh, we knew it was a Kezzy song straight away. Yeah. Because I do have that's a, a good style. Thing, yeah. yeah, and I think it's maybe, it's probably an old fashioned way of writing that I just do it on my own. But then I also think like, Ooh. it's my style yeah. and... I don't think there's a right or wrong. Like, you can love co-writing, you can love... Like, my EP is a complete mix. So, Woman I Am, I wrote with Laura Oaks. Love writing with Laura. Incredible writer. Amazing writer. And, I, again, I had the idea for the chorus, and I was like, this one's Laura. Message her. She was like, yeah, we can write it. So I wrote Laura, uh, Woman I Am with Laura Oaks. I wrote Lead Me On on my own. Yeah. I wrote Undercover on my own. I wrote Nothing But The Radio On with Jess Tristan, again, another incredible writer, friend of ours. And then Drink This Wine, I didn't write at all. Yeah. It was pitched to me from other writers who I admire. So also, yes, I write a lot of my music, but I'm equally not against recording something that I've had no involvement in, if I can but connect I to the song. what's perfect is as an EP, those five songs flow seamlessly. And this is what we were talking about, you having to have a style and sing yeah. a song that, even if someone else has written it, like I'm yeah. sure when you heard Drink This Wine, you were like, this is a song I would sing. Yeah, this is how I sing it, this is how I produce it. Um, which kind of leads us beautifully onto the, the production. So we've mm -hmm. got the song, we've written it, potentially voice noted it yeah. I mean god my voice note collection is embarrassing oh, I have on my to-do list go through voice notes <laughs> because I found one the other day going through, I was like it's a great song idea I've got a full verse in there I was like well, come back to that but they're all I never name them so they're all like recording nine five six yeah like, I've got voice notes which I think are great ideas <laughs> and that I've maybe recorded in the middle of the night or when I'm maybe a little worst. drunk yeah 
and, and, and I, I'm quite good with naming things. I'm a bit like OCD. So I will name it like maybe um, upbeat festival idea. And I'll go, oh, what's that? And then you listen back and it's just me mumbling into the phone. See, I'm really bad for recording, but while I'm doing something else. So you can hear me like, and no, no, and I won't. And in background, dryers on. I'm opening and closing fridge, buttoning a slice of bread. Well, I wrote whiskey drinking woman while I was driving. Had to get Lloyd to hold the phone and I was playing the beat on the steering wheel. <laughs> so, so, like Dolly with nails. <laughs> Still got the original voice note for it because I was like, I really want to keep that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's writing comes like wherever and when. Yeah. But when you've got that song and you've got that idea, then it's like, okay, now we need to make this come alive. Yeah. So what's your next step from that? What do you do once you're like, I want to make this song a single, I want to release it. Well, I have a producer that I've worked with sort of pretty much since I was producing music. So even though I was writing music and sort of knew that I wanted to make music, when I was really young, I used to record it on my dad's keyboard. <laughs> so I'd find like the rhythm that sounded yeah. like it and I'd record it onto an eight track tape machine. <laughs> then I'd record my, vo- my vocal over it and that that was it. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, obviously I was like, well, this isn't going to get me very far. <laughs> But because I was doing so much cover work, I wasn't really producing music until I got yeah. to sort of 22, 23. Um, and I actually went to um, a guy called Ben Haynes. He's got a studio near me in Derby. And I just wanted to do some high quality acoustic recordings of my songs to send to record labels, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Hand out uh, in Nashville. <laughs> and um, but, you know, I was going to get my record deal. So... When recorded these um, tracks, and again, never having recorded in that way, we did the guitar tracks first to a metronome, then mm-hmm. I did the vocals. I just thought I'd go in and record it live. I went, no, we'll get some consistency, we'll get some levels, yeah. record it to a metronome. And then I went away thinking that was it. And he, he emailed me, bless him, and he was like, look, these songs are like just jumping out already, that they're really good quality. The song was Easy Come, Easy Go. Ah, yeah. That's what I'd written. And he was like, I, I hope you don't mind but I've put some bass and some drums mm. and like a little bit of like other stuff on. No charge, but just see what you think. And when I say I cried. <laughs> I cried when I listened to my EP. I had, I ne- I had never heard one of my songs sound <laughs> yeah. so produced and so good. And then that was it. It was like, right, this is how we do yeah. it. And Ben's super talented. He plays bass, he plays drums, he plays guitar. And I play keys, I play um, acoustic. I'm, I'm gr- I like doing harmonies and doing my own backing vocals. So between the two of us for the last 10 years, that's how we've made music. Oh, wow. And even though I've worked with other producers mm. and I've, we, we get session players in, so yeah. you're good, you know, other half Luke, we, he sessions mm-hmm. guitars for me. Um, but it all it was all very in house. So the first yeah. thing I'll do is I will text Ben the idea. I'll usually do um, a rough, either literally just a voice note or a quick logic mm-hmm. program, sort of me and the guitar, um, and he'll say, "Okay, I can hear, I can hear bass on this, or I can hear this little guitar solo, or what about a bit of harmonica?" And we just we build it up together. I'll literally go to his studio and we sit and we say, right, "This is what we want there," and we make it happen. And it's so exciting. That, yeah. That's what I love. It. That exciting bit where it all starts to grow. Like come together. Where it starts to get less enjoyable is knowing when it's finished. Yeah. It's like they say, don't they, with an artist, knowing when a painting is done. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, I don't, I don't really like my vocal. Should yeah. I re-record that? And he's like, you've, you've done nine vocal takes at this yeah. point. And Ben does, he laughs and he says to me, he says, you will never like the sound of your own voice. Yeah. 
I'm I like, feel like that, yeah. But I don't. I listen back and I go, oh, that is not a good take. And he'll go, are you kidding me? Like, that's <laughs> it's a great take. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, do it again. Start yeah. again. Um, and I've actually, like, been in tears in the studio. And Ben's like, what do you need from me? And I'm like, I just need to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I need to cry. <laughs> out. Because... I'm just failing at being an artist right now. But it's all part of it, isn't it? But it's hard. Yeah. You've got to dig deep. And it's, as well, we were talking about like feeling like you need to fit a bit of a mold. So, oh, does it, is it sounding too rocky? Or is it yeah. sound, is the intro too long? Is it sounding, because with Spotify as well, like you've got, you, you know, you've got to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. If they're just like next, next, yeah. next, next. And you're thinking, oh, is it, does it grab their attention? Oh, no, it doesn't kick into the chorus. And yeah. it is exhausting. It, it's really hard sometimes to, to nail what, what you're happy with and what you think everyone else is going to be happy with. Because it's all in-house. We can have those battles together. We can yeah. go away, sleep on it, and then I can message him and go, do you know what? All that work we did yesterday, I don't like any of it. Take it out. <laughs> ben, he loves you. Oh, honestly, some of the emails I've had. So if you are at all interested in hearing what these very, very raw voice notes actually sound like, you know, the songs in the infancy, then stick around to the end because... We're going to give you a little treat and we're going to do something we never usually do. Expose ourselves. (laughs) We're going to share some voice notes, so stick around to the end of this episode. Yeah, I've had, like, loads of different experiences with producing music so I when I was young and I first started out it was a similar thing it was you know a local studio a friend of mine you know his friend got me in and they'd all come and play the instrument we'd have like rehearsals where we'd figure out who were playing what go in we'd do, have a day doing all the drums for them all yeah. we'd have a day doing all the electric guitar like all the acoustic all that sort of stuff and then it was produced and put together um sent off for mastering which I'm sure we'll come to all that sort of stuff in a minute yeah um and then I've had experiences working where I've not known, I've only known the producer and then I've gone into the studio and he's already passed on the, you know, the demos, like you say, just the acoustic guitar, vocal things yeah. to the band. They've turned up, figured out what they're going to play there and then done it on the day and then I've just gone in and done all the vocals, vocals the next day. Then I've had the experience where I've been in the studio uh, and we've done a lot. So a lot of mine now is like a lot of programmed drums uh, for that sort of pop country yeah. sound um, and then it might be just like oh Luke will put some guitars down and then Rob Gulson who I've worked with quite a bit at the Banger Hanger he'd like do like bass and piano and stuff like that my most recent EP was the strangest <laughs> experience but actually I've found I really like working this way so I basically send off um, acoustic so like you were saying you play to the metronome like playing to click I hate mm-hmm. it I'm really oh, bad yeah. at it. Slip out of time all the time. Yeah. Weirdly, unless I turn the click sound into the sound of a kick drum and then I can play to time. Oh, really? Someone it's told me that trick. Potentially more driving. Yeah, someone said change the sound of the like, because it's like... Yeah. <laughs> so, like change it into a kick drum sound and then it keeps you in time and it does work. There you go. There you go. There's a little tip for you. Um, <laughs> so I'd recorded them, sent them off to my producer Matt over in Nashville because, you know, expensive to be flying over there to record <laughs> each week. Um, sent them over there, told him references, sent him what I wanted it to sound like, what things I liked, what things I don't like. He then works on it and sends it over like, this is what I've come up with, what do you think? I was like, yeah, love it. Yeah. So he put the music onto it. Then I sent it off to uh, a girl called Ramira, who was a vocal producer in London who I'd chosen to work with. She, like, sorted out all the vocals, the harmonies that she thought really needed to be in there, some ideas on changes to melody and stuff. Then I just booked two days in London, and I went down and worked with Ramira 
for like two days just recording all of the vocals, all the backing vocals. Uh, again, I was very lucky Laura Oaks came in and spent the day with us. She put some backing vocals on for me. Amazing. And then it went back to Matt and yep. then he put it all together, then sent it to a guy I chose to be my mixing engineer, which because once obviously you get it recorded, you need it all mixing. Everything needs exactly. to sit together. Um, so that was a big part of the process, yeah. isn't it? You put what you call your tracks down, so your guitar, yeah. your vocals, your drums, your bass, but then it's got to be mixed. It's like a cake. They're all yeah. the ingredients. Yeah. You've got to mix it. Yeah. So the mixing engineer then would send me back a mix and then I might say, oh, you know, literally simple stuff in it like, oh, it's tweaks, can, isn't it? can the bass be a little bit lower? Or, oh, the BVs are a little bit too quiet in the chorus. Can you raise them? And just little tiny stuff. Get that done. And then I say it to the master engineer and then it got sent back to me. So that was a process of my music was just being bounced around the yeah. world really but and people what, just adding a little bit into it until it came back to, to me do it, though. yeah but I enjoyed it I loved going down and just having like a weekend doing vocals and like yeah it's really good like we got like drink this wine and we we're like let's set it up so we like dropped all the lights and like nice. little moody studios like god I wish I'd have gone to the shop and got a bottle of wine to do this <laughs> but probably not good for the recording <laughs> you recorded drink this wine without a glass with a, of wine with a brew I know <gasps> Listen. I know it is shameful. <laughs> I am embarrassed. <laughs> What's funny is you talking about how you very first recorded music is something I really dream of doing. Mm. So I dream of getting like a studio for mm. a couple of weeks and having all live players come in and literally being like, right, let's figure out how we want this to sound and tracking it live. Yeah. I would love to do that one day. Yeah. I've never had, I'm just going to say, I've never really had the money to do yeah. that because it's expensive. You got, you know, you think if you're paying four players, you got to pay them a day rate mm -hmm. and their lodgings and their food and expenses yeah. for like travel um and I'd, i would love to do that one yeah. day that's like a real aspiration of mine but yeah. the way the vibe that me and ben have it's like we do all that stuff just we, between it's just between the two, of, the two yeah. of us and and it means then that we have a little bit more money in the pot for things like if we want an external mixer yeah like with um the mess i made ep we sent that off to nashville yeah. to be mixed and mastered um and the mastering is just the sprinkle on top, yeah. isn't it? So once you've got your mix track, you're happy with all the levels. What mastering does is it basically compresses it and puts it into a format which is perfect for streaming, yeah. for radio. radio. There's no bits see. where, you know, the drums are going to jump out or mm -hmm. distort your radio. And it's all done on hertz and frequencies, all yeah. the technical stuff. But it just it ties everything up in a ribbon, doesn't it? Let's have it a bit of honesty now. <laughs> How many times have you got a master back and you've thought to yourself, I can't really tell the difference of it. It sounds, the only way I can say it's like a bit cleaner, like it's a bit louder, but I thought, I don't, I know it's essential and I know it, it yeah. if I put the mix out, I'd immediately pick up when you know, on Spotify and be like, oh, that stands out a mile against a playlist. It's way quieter. Yeah. It's not like, it doesn't sit in that playlist. The, the mastering. But sometimes I'm like, my ear doesn't know what I'm listening to. The for. mastering is the equivalent of like having a rewire in a house. <laughs> You spend thousands and thousands yeah. and then you walk in the room and it looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> but all your wiring's yeah. updated. That's and that's it. the thing. It's the bit that nobody sees and nobody really cares yeah. about. But it just means that when your song comes up, even just like little things like if it comes up on a shuffle playlist, that's it will it. be the same volume. You couldn't submit the mix as the final no. product, like you say, because then say you release a single, it's great news, which will circle back to you get playlisted. Well, you wouldn't. <laughs> Let's say you did in this world. Immediately, the listener, when yours comes on, they're going to be like, at with volume. Yeah, turn like, it down. What? Why is that so quiet? Why does that sound like it was doing a bedroom? Even though it's a great 
recorded, it would sound so much different yeah. to everything else. Mastering on there. is integral. Yeah. It's um and again, it's like how long is a piece of string? You can spend fifty quid on getting a track mastered, you can spend five hundred quid on getting yeah. a track mastered. Um I, I approached Abbey Road for some mastering oh, yeah. and very quickly <laughs> retreat. <laughs> but again, what a dream to like yeah. one day have like a, uh, an EP mastered at Abbey Listen, Road and stuff like that. We're gonna make it happen. How long have you known <laughs> it's gonna be recorded at Abbey Studios? <laughs> we're gonna do it. You know what? Abbey Road I just, sesh. Absolutely. I just think like, and these are like such well-known studios and well-known yeah. names. But the truth is, when you're at, dare I say it, our level. Mm-hmm. We are funding it. There's no big label. Oh, God. And yeah, we, have, we have to do everything we can in our power to make it sound high quality, yeah. but on a budget. Yeah. And we have to use everything in our little arsenal um, for free, which just leads us on to the dreaded social media. Halliwell. And don't forget, I am an independent artist, so you can check out all my music on Spotify, Apple, and everywhere where you can stream and download. Yeah, that is a, a minefield in itself. So it's a media. whole thing. It's a whole vibe. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I think what's something that started out, the thing for us as well, when we started making music... Social media didn't well, exist. We are probably the last generation of artists that know life pre and post yeah, digital, like yeah. social. Um, because it what we were the girls that were printing out our CDs and handing mm-hmm. them out to people. Yeah. Handing out business cards at a gig. Yeah. And our business card didn't have our social media on it. It mm. had our phone number yeah. and our email address. That's it, yeah. And it was like I can't, can you believe we just gave our phone numbers I to know. random men? <laughs> Call me, baby. <laughs> But yes, I mean, social media, I, I just love how much we all hate it, but yeah. that we're all slaves to it. Yeah, it's all like, I love it as a consumer. Do you know what I mean? I love oh, to I'll watch cat through. videos all day. Like I wake up, <laughs> I'm an hour in bed every morning on TikTok, <laughs> finding out how best to clean, you know, my sink taps with a toothbrush. Get rid of that large yeah. scale. <laughs> you know, what's, what's the best way to do that? I'm figuring out, is it acceptable to use a panel lid in a wet cloth to clean your sofa. I'm there for it on TikTok. <laughs> but I hate being like creating the content because it's hard to, one, be current, two, be yourself because there's no else I can stand more than just being like false and acting a way that I wouldn't act in life. Because yeah. then I think people see straight through that. You've just got to be yourself on You've it. You've got to. Um, but it's hard to like think, oh, I have to create this content because the reality is you're like, oh, I've got to get my makeup on. I spend 99% of my time in joggers. <laughs> The girl country hoodie. Hair on top of hair. Hair in a bun. <laughs> no makeup on. Bit of pseudo cream on me acne. Dotted around. That's do you know what I mean? Life, Socks and sliders. Yeah. It's an effort to wash my hair, shave my legs, <laughs> shave pour my on something, <laughs> twist my chin. But you know what? The hardest thing is once you've done all that and you've spent mm. three hours getting ready yeah. and then another two hours filming, another couple of hours editing. Yeah. Then you then you're scheduling them. So then you're a video a day it. at least going and out, and then you get fifteen views. views. <laughs> fifteen, you're doing better than me too. <laughs> I mean, but I, I feel like we're both kind of talking about TikTok. Yeah, definitely. TikTok is because that's definitely a generation below us. Yeah, that I'm being told all the time you need to be on TikTok. You need, and it is a thing. You, how many documentaries do we watch at the minute? Or like reality TV shows, and they're like. Oh, you need to be on TikTok. You need to have a good following on TikTok. Labels, no one's signing anyone unless you're on TikTok. Labels think, well, are not even shit looking it. at your music, <laughs> your streaming, your live repertoire. Yeah. They even like know. playlisting. They no, want to yeah. know what well, did it go viral on 
TikTok How first. many followers have you got? Yeah. I had a really high profile meeting with a big label in Nashville set up by a couple of people that had seen me do a little showcase. Um, it was really exciting. These are big people. Yeah. Um, and we went to a hotel um, in Nashville. I was super nervous and I was like, just just be yourself and yeah, like yeah. sell, sell, sell. And they were like, like, you know, these like two lads that were probably not a day over 25 turned up, you know, sling back. Yeah baseball caps just cool just cool guys just really i'm expecting like businessmen in suits and ties and briefcases to turn up no really cool like backward caps on and they were like we love your vibe we love what you're about and we you know you got a great voice um but we just we really need to like we can't encourage the the show social growth enough um just work on getting them views like put some music out on tiktok they were like we as a label now will put a song out on tiktok if it doesn't do well, we won't release that song. What? And I'm like, what a world. Yeah. What a world to rely on social media to put out what what you've invested, to, a song you've written yeah. and invested in. I left that meeting so, like, I was done. Yeah. I was over it. We, we were in Nashville. It was the last day we were in Nashville. I was like, get me on that plane. Get me home <laughs> to Derby where life is normal <laughs> and I can just write and sing my... <laughs> get me on that plane where i can just get home back to my little derby my little safe space yeah and just write and do what i need to because i was like this this industry is going to swallow me whole yeah and it feels very overwhelming but then i feel like we're kind of we're still of that generation where we're perhaps like facebook is a really great platform for us yeah and I had, um, so I mentioned in one of the other episodes, like the viral video, that made my Facebook shoot up. Yeah. Um, so my following on Facebook is really big, but not everyone on there actually interacts with what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? A, a lot of people don't see my posts. It's the weird algorithm thing. Well, that happened to me on TikTok. Yeah. Because uh, after having taken part in a BBC TV show last year called I Can See Your Voice, mm-hmm. um, they allowed me to share the footage of, of the, ah, the live yeah. screening, um, shared it, just put like a caption up, what, you know, did they yeah. think I could sing or not? 3.2 million views. I got like 30,000 followers overnight yeah. and I was like, yes, she's cracked it. Done it. Put up a singing video the next day, 14 views. <laughs> I thought, give me a break. Obviously the big shiny BBC video got yeah. the traction, got the following. Um, and, I, you know, me singing in my bedroom. I mean, it, it's amazing. You look at people like Sam Ryder and you think, oh, yeah. well, why isn't it working for me? Yeah. It, I just think some get through the net. Yeah. Some do get through yeah. the net. It's hard to crack, like, you know, the right hashtags, the right time to post, the amount of times you should be posting. Twice a day. Do you need the same background in every video? Twice a day you've got yeah. to post to beat the algorithm. I ain't got time. To, can you I imagine? I've got food face, shop to do. My kitchen needs cleaning. I have to get washing online. You know what, what I mean? What, I have to go see we need, to pajamas. we need to like do our makeup and field like 20 videos <laughs> well i got into a thing earlier this year i was like right every wednesday i'm gonna get up get dolled up lock myself in the office record like the week's worth of videos yeah edit them put them on the tiktok get them in my drafts and every morning i wake up post. worked for about two weeks and then life got in the way and i was it like i got a full day to record and it do does. this shit. and you know what's really hard like we as artists, and, and I know a lot of independent artists, we push the live agenda yeah. so hard. And this is why the pandemic was so tough. And we're going to touch on that mm. in a second. But 
we want people to buy tickets and come and see us live. Yeah. So you feel like you're pimping yourself out, yeah. just giving people <laughs> stuff for free yeah. because they're not appreciated. Yeah. And again, it's like, God forbid we could do an original song. No, mm. always a cover of cover of Aretha Franklin, cover of yeah. the Cranberries, you know, hoping that some Cranberries fans might yeah, pitch on or some on. Aretha fans. Yeah. But it's, it is, I feel like it's selling my soul to the devil. Yeah. It is, I would rather go to a gig where there's 50 people that have bought tickets that are going to enjoy the gig and come back to another show, yeah. then put a video up that 50 people might view in the hope that they give me you a get like. one comma and it's someone just putting shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why is your voice doing that wobbly thing? I, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to say I hate social media. Ooh, With one, one exception. <laughs> one. Live streaming. Live streaming. What a Love. world. <laughs> Tapped into that shit, didn't we, in lockdown? Whoa, we had to. We Let's talk about it. March 23rd, Boris March Johnson. March 23rd. Well, if you remember, slightly before, so we were due to play Saltburn by the Sea. Yes. A little gig we had going little on. writer's round. little writer's on. round. Looking forward to it. We're all up country on the Clyde. Yeah. March 10th around that weekend. Yeah. And um, gig COVID on the Clyde, yeah. as it got renamed. Yeah, COVID <laughs> on the Clyde. Everyone got that. And uh, it was like... Constant gig cancel, gig cancel, gig. We're like, bloody hell, everything's getting cancelled. That got cancelled. So I was like, no, 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 what we do? I'll come to you. We'll live stream instead. You were like, yeah, we'll set up cameras. We'll have a drink. We'll name it like lockdown session just so yeah. didn't we? Dream, no, the dream team quarantine stream <laughs> <or> summer. <laughs> it. Well, it was all very new and exciting. Yeah. We're like, Ooh. We're like, I'd never done like 20 people. I think I'd gone live once on New Year's Eve when I filmed the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> the only yeah. time I've ever gone live. I've done quite a few live streams. When I had that viral video, I did a live stream party and just sat on, on my cousin's house, invited yeah. all my friends and family around, set up a camera, took requests. Like, I'd never played done it. all night. Um, I did another one when I, I think the song went number one. And then I'd done a couple, literally like 20 minutes. Oh, I'm going to go live tonight, play my new single for you. Yeah. The odd thing, but I hadn't done it to that extent. And then obviously, so the plan your, was to just do it together. Yeah. Bodjo shut us down. Well, was what night? Can you, was it scheduled for the Friday? It was a Thursday. So the had, Thursday yeah. was when we were going to go live. Yeah. Boris Johnson came on our screens Monday the twenty third and said you must stay at home. So we're like, well, that scuppered our plans. Yeah. So we had a little chat off, off sort of away and said, well, I tell you what, you take the Thursday, yeah. I'll do the Friday, mm-hmm. um, and we'll just both do a separate one. And how long did that last? <laughs> Me and Luke, I know we did 63 weeks. Yeah. I think you were about the same. Well, we did 59, um, mm. but we had a couple of weeks off yeah. when we had, you know, the yeah. small the periods same time of time when stopped. you could go yeah. on holiday or go yeah. out and we were like, we took full advantage oh, of Oh, yeah. That. We had, um, it was intense. It was so good though. Like you say, we kind of started thinking, oh, we'll do this one-off stream. A few weeks, we're back to it. Yeah. But then we ended the stream like, oh, it's us to do it again next week yeah we'll do it again next week yeah and then it was just that was it we knew thursday seven o'clock i were live friday eight o'clock honestly and live. i tuned in i think i saw almost everyone but it was the routine it was the yeah. fact that i knew on a thursday at 7 p.m i got my yeah. dinner on me knee i got my glass mm. of wine poured yeah this is happening and i felt like because i couldn't 
physically come and see my friends. That was my hour yeah. with my mates. And even though we had like Zoom meetups, like yeah. everyone did, you know, kitchen parties yeah. and all this, it was so lovely to have some live music yeah. of some capacity. And it feel like a gig because you could have the comments up so you could see what people were oh, saying. Oh, the comments was, were yeah. just so rapid and you felt like you were meeting yeah, other people. Yeah, you actually see it, you're getting to know people and you still had that that element of performing because I knew, like you say, I knew every Thursday I'd wake up, I'd go through requests, I, I'd be checking them in throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, I'd go through them, right, what do we need to learn? Right, what time do I need to eat tea? What time I need to set? What am I going to wear tonight? Looking through the wardrobe. It's the whole it week, gig. isn't it? Learning yeah, the songs. Cause and then even the, the Friday I'd be sent thanking tippers, yeah. collecting requests again, sending Luke's tips. And because literally it was all we could do, literally going through with tips like, right, what can we have this week? And oh, <laughs> if we had great tips, I'd be like, Luke, I swear to God, I can have a bottle of gin this week. <laughs> <laughs> and we made it about, I'm in Tesco's with a bottle of rhubarb gin. Because literally, we say it, and I think people are like, oh, yeah, 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 and you kept us good. But I think people, I don't know if they'll ever understand how thankful we are for yeah. them for watching, because they genuinely, that was a difference between me still having some music to live for every week. Oh, absolutely. And being creative, and me having to say, I best go work at Tesco's. Go or go, no disrespect to people who did do that. Like, obviously, we all had to do what well, we had to do. everyone had to do that, But yeah. it was, we were incredibly blessed to not have to do that, purely because every week people tuned in and were extremely generous you could with do the a show. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, just being able to just do a gig. Yeah, like mentally it was... Oh, even, even it though was it was massive. on our living room. Yeah. You know, on our living room sofa yeah. or, you know, in, in your mum and dad's living room yeah. as it was. Um, but I looked forward to, to my Friday night show like any other gig. Same. And what was so amazing through that time is that now we've come out and we're very much back into a live world. Mm -hmm. They've all stuck with me. Yeah. Call them the Friday night crew. You yeah. had the Jade Brigade. And you see, they're all in the T-shirts, yeah. you know, because we did like That's, merch through yeah. lockdown and stuff. So like, even that was incredible. We'd be like, oh, how else can we make some money? What about if we did a batch of T-shirts? So we'd save some tips, run like a special edition, like we had like the lockdown special T-shirts and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then we'd mention it on live stream. By the time you come off, sold out. Yeah. Mind blowing. And, and now again, people I'll wear never them to gigs. Now, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and sometimes I'll see um, like newer fans question people for like, where did you, I've never seen that t-shirt. Like, oh, yeah. this was a lockdown you special. They only did one run of this. And this is the <laughs> thing. And I think what's, what's amazing is even though the world is opening up again and you can say, look, we're living in a, in a world where everything's digital, everything's on yeah. your phone and yeah, you can't beat live music. Yeah. We both recently just did a live stream to celebrate three years yeah. since our first one. And even though they could have gone to the pub, they could have yeah. gone to a gig, they, got, they stayed at home yeah. and watched watch. us on their phones yeah. and on their tablets and on their televisions to be part of that movement. Yeah. And I do think there is room for digital gigging yeah, and, and, and on, online videos. You can't beat a live gig, can oh, you? Oh, the energy in the room. Oh, the room sweaty room. Waiting to go on. I love can it. Can hear people bustling to get forward, get a good spot. And that's the bar. And she's in 10, get a drink now. Don't want to be queuing when she's playing. That's why I'll, I'll never be a TikTok star. <laughs> I will, I will never be able to sing into my phone like I sing to a room full of sweaty people. But, you know, <laughs> the flip side of that is there's a whole new generation, which, again, I'm sure we'll touch on this at, at some point later on this season, um, of people on TikTok now who've never actually played the live gig. So they're the flip side. They've never experienced well, what it is to they're put in a for a together. And... <laughs> <laughs> they're in for a bloody shock. When they turn up to a gig and have to get changed in the disabled toilet. Yeah, and, when they're know... all sleeping on them. <laughs> 
that's an episode in itself in it but yeah once again thank you so much for listening to our ramblings yeah, and musings absolutely and we hope we'll give you a little bit of an insight into uh, what actually goes on in, in creating music and yeah we'll see you all next week for another episode of do you know any oasis <laughs> thank you so much for listening if you have enjoyed this episode please don't forget to hit subscribe and follow us on social media Gil here. Thank you so much for sticking around until the end to hear our rusty old voice notes. So I have got a voice note from my song Lead Me On, which if you hear it and you know the song, you will see that there are some differences in the melody, but this is literally the initial idea. There's a lot of mumbling going on, but this is like the bones of a song and uh, I just think it's really cool to be able to share with you how a song really does start and then you guys obviously know how it ends up, so enjoy. I talked about this song and how the idea came to me and I was kind of banging on the steering wheel. Um, it actually started as quite a rockabilly idea, um, but I I wasn't driving in this voice note. This is the one I recorded when I got home, but this is one of the very first ideas that I had for Whiskey Drinking Woman. Pour me a strong one And I'll drink it down I earn my own money and I'll buy the next round mm-hmm. You might think it's strange I don't drink it straight I like it with a dash And there's nothing wrong with that So pour me a strong one Oh, for this whiskey drinking woman I've been waking hard for fun mm-hmm. I've been working way too hard for far too long Hi, I'm Kessie Gill. And I'm Jade Halliwell. And don't forget, we are both independent artists, so you can find all of our music on all major platforms.